This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. This is the second ever episode that premieres on Rumble. To all you people out there that are supporting off-platform content, I really appreciate it. That is the future of the show. I make no bones about it. Over time, I'll be removing all of the copy, certainly all of the new copy. There won't be any on YouTube. It'll all just be here. This chat with Matt Magaki from Cryptopsy is a very good example of where I'd like to take all of the conversations from here on in. It's not that I'm over talking about music, but there is so much more to talk about. And uh, getting the down low, the opinions from the luminaries across extreme metal and heavy metal, I think it's very important. I can't think of anybody else that's doing that at the moment. They're all just focusing strictly on the, as Matt says in the chat, so tell me about how your band formed and all of those sort of convers, those questions and you guys who've listened to the show for a fair bit, you know I don't do that. We get to the bottom of things on scars and guitars, no doubt about that. So what do we talk about here? Well, the catalyst for my introduction to Matt is the new album, the first in over a decade for Cryptopsy. It's called As Gamora Burns. Now, they've had a few EPs, but the first album in 11 years or thereabouts, and it's been worth the wait, I can assure you. An absolutely killer album if you like the tech death sort of thing man these guys there's none better and matt's at the top of his game as well and you'll hear why you'll hear how how much he's enjoying being the front man of cryptopsy after copying a lot of shit early on so we talk about the album but we talk about a lot of social current affairs other topics to do with the day-to-day life let's put it that way now i do have a tune to share with you i've selected Flayed the Swine. Now, because we're on Rumble and Spotify and the podcast apps, you can all hear it. Later on, you people on YouTube, you will not hear it, unfortunately, because that's one of the big drawbacks about that bloody platform. I can't play music on it lest I get a copyright strike and the episode gets flagged and deleted, removed. So anyway, here is Flayed the Swine for all of you people outside of YouTube. You YouTubers, let's dive into the conversation right now. Either way, let's go. Shit. 
Hey, here he is. Hey, how you doing, Andrew? Great, great. You're. Uh, I think I'm the last one. And what? How many have you had? About three or four before me. Uh, three, three. Yeah. How's it been going? Everything's been real cool. Everything's been real cool. The the the, the it's it's. Uh, I'm used to it, so it's fun. It's it's nice to be on the other side of the the, the paper, which is interesting. I was just going to say that. Yeah, what's it like being on the other side? So how is it? <laughs> It's um, most of the time it's really good. Some people, if it's not good, I just take over. <laughs> That's the way to do it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, how, how do you find, especially since you've been doing podcasting now? Actually, that's the question for you. How long have you been doing podcasting now for? I started Vox and Hops in 2018. I've released over 400 episodes since then. I just, I just finished setting up. Episode 430 today, which is going to drop during my tour. Vox and Hops is an interview-based podcast, podcast where I sit down with fellow metal musicians talk about their lives and music while drinking killer craft beers. It's nighttime for me. You're in the future, so so I get to drink a beer, but you don't. Uh, I love uh, the podcast. It's, it's something that has uh, given me so many level ups in life. Uh, the ability to speak to any person that I meet and just be able to make a connection with uh, the ability to understand the industry at a deeper level. Um, it's been the the ultimate level up thing that has ever happened in my life uh, for musical in the music industry by far. Hmm. Yeah, gotcha. What was the most challenging thing about doing podcasting? I think at first it was like time management. It was the hardest part of that. Um, realizing exactly what goes into releasing a let's say 45 minute to an hour podcast translate and then like showcasing it and promoting it and doing social media for it basically ties up into about six to seven hours work from what, what i've looked at from like recording it to it's over and that that promotional cycle is over it's about seven hours of work per episode I'm up to near 800 episodes, okay, and I reckon. I've Holy seen, shit! Yeah, and I reckon that's about as accurate a summary as I could offer anybody out I there. Think I think it's internet. fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I've got a job, got a family. I'm in a band too. Same. Um, yeah. You've got your own life. I mean, you've got all of these competing things. I often find that I'm doing this sort of stuff at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, just to get it done and tick the box for the for John and whoever else has been gracious enough to me include to include me in these programs here. And but it's just got to yes. be done. And and I noticed something else. I noticed that you on on the presser you were talking about. Facebook and social media in regards to the band, and that might have been the compelling event behind why the band found an agent and a label again. But how do you find it with regards to social media? Because I, I just find if you don't put any money into it, mate, you're at the you you reach something like eight percent of the followers on your Facebook and Instagram. Well, that's what happened. That's exactly why we went back to a label. Is that in 2012, how many a handful of bands were doing Bandcamp releases? And it's actually my wife that that found that platform back in 2012 when we did the self-titled. And it was extremely successful. We put a post on Facebook. We sold a bunch of units. It was amazing. It was like, oh, we can be independent. We don't need a label. And then the algorithm changed. When we did Tome 1 and we tried the same sort of type approach, it was like a, a drop of water in, a, in, a, in, a, in an ocean. And now my bassist is also in cattle decapitation and he tours and people are like, 
But I'm in a crypt shop, so you guys haven't released anything since self-titled. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing these press circuits, which I'm doing a lot of recently. And they're like, oh, it's been 10 years. You haven't done anything. And I'm like, no, I've released two EPs. It's a lot of work. We did that. It's just people didn't see it. And that was a big problem um, that we probably dropped the ball on social media-wise, uh, being independent, not paying for those posts to be promoted. What are your thoughts? I've got real issues at the moment with it around censorship, okay, because I had someone comment. I made a, I put up a post last week saying, I think I'm done with YouTube. And, and the reason for that is because I can see people are commenting and I can see them, but then when I go and have a look at my wife's phone or whatever, you can't see them. They're gone. They're just not there. And really? the, the comments, yeah, so the comments, I'm not even going to say they're politically motivated. They're expressing an opinion, okay, as simply as that. They're not saying anything overt or what have you, but they're hiding them. And then I had another mate, uh, another follower, on the, someone who's been, you know, following the podcast for a bit or what have you, and he, I put out the comment and I said, look, what do you think if I go across to some of these other platforms that are available, Odyssey and Rumble and stuff? You know, I know they're... They're not stable. You can't get them all the time and you're sort of lost in the morass. But anyway, I asked him the question or he responded, sorry, and he said that he received an email from Google about about some content he had in Google Drive about coronavirus and they said, you are breaching our terms of service. So this is a private file. Now, I believe this guy because he's been making comments and following the uh, the podcast for, for years now. I don't think he has any reason to be talking shit. Uh, when I heard that, I thought, mate, we might have just crossed the crossed the barrier here. I mean, it's, we've gone, we've marched back and back and back on this stuff. We're self-censoring as it is. I mean, if they're going after what people have in their private drives for their own consumption. Oh, for sure. I, I'm not at- surprised that they have access to it. That's for sure. I'm not surprised. I was, and, and it's no surprise that they're listening to us right now, yeah. you know, like, there's mm-hmm. those ads that pop up on our socials all the time. And it was like, I was, that happened to me today, this morning, as I woke up, I was talking about my kids watch the Mario movie. We don't have video game consoles in the house. And I was mm-hmm. like, I think I'm going to have to buy the Mario. And then my friend at work was like, oh, well, they have these little fucking things there, blah, 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 blah. And there was an ad for it on my phone. So it's, they're listening. It's, it's I'm not surprised that they're going through Google drives with like flagged words that, pulls things out. The internet is a scary place. It's beautiful, which is where Asgamora Burns comes from. The whole concept of it mm-hmm. is that the internet is an amazing, beautiful place, uh-huh. but it's also a very dangerous, scary place. And the oppression that can come 1984 style, oppression, oppression that could be coming around the corner uh, is not far if they want to pull the trigger. How do you think we we got to this point though, where we've we've taken these steps back and back and back, like I'm saying, Jordan Peterson, your fellow Canadian, has been talking about it a lot. You know, you see um, an inch that you'll they'll, they'll take a mile, and you then if you you see a mile, they'll take hundreds of miles. This sort of thing. How, what's your take on? Given you're talking about this this subject matter throughout, or I think you are anyway, certainly because it's based on the internet across the album. But how have we got here? I think it's probably just one inch at a time. It's just just the trust. Nobody reads those terms and conditions. Nobody. Mm. They scroll to the end or skip scroll to the end and click accept. Nobody reads these things. So so I think it's it's a blind trust that things are going to be okay. And that's scary, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more, mate. Yeah. Well, no, and and it's it's the internet is it's that security blanket that this is an app that you and a lot of things that happens too which is and 
the the apps get bought, right? So when you're when you're trusting an app or a platform, hmm. so you have this like comfort with it, and then someone comes in and buys it. And you're like, you see the news pass, and you're like, oh yeah, they got bought. But you don't think about what that means. But they're still using the app to do what they want. And you trust the app the same way that it used to be, but it might have changed the implications of it all. So so was there any anything else about the nature of of uh censorship and oppression via the internet that made your lyrical themes on the album? I think it was more so based upon I wasn't that bright. <laughs> I think I was more so just, um, I wanted something that I could talk about. And with the podcast, I'm so horribly addicted to social media. So I wanted to have something that I could showcase to the world and tell them that maybe they should analyze and look into their, their internet consumption and their trust as to what the internet is providing you. That That's really where it came from. It's not like a whole, maybe it's going to, develop over time i have this new concept which is also sort of off the internet about feeding a machine and building a machine and the machine tortures you but you still feel so much sort of like franz kafka there's a book hmm. a short story that he wrote with the an executioner type thing and like taking care of this machine so that that tortures you but you love it so 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 i think I, there's something that's building within me that i want to talk about the nature of social media and the isolation, isolating factors, and and how people pretend everything's beautiful, but in fact they're suffering. Yeah, and and certainly coronavirus, the the intended consequence, I think it is anyway, is that we were isolated, therefore we relied on digital formats and programming in to, so much yeah. to yeah to communicate with each other. I've worked from home now, mate. I mean, I did half of my degree over wow. um yeah over blackboard which is similar to teams i think it's powered by teams if i'm not mistaken or microsoft but whatever but certainly zoom we do all of these things by zoom i've been doing podcasting long enough certainly to remember we've gone from phone to skype to yeah. what we're doing here now and i was to say i much prefer this now and i i believe i've gotten to a point well I, I believe we have sorry i've gotten to a point where we can have meaningful conversations this way and they're an actual substitute for meeting face to face do you agree I do, yes. Um, I feel, and I've done both, and I'm sure you have as well, uh, where you do a bunch of Zoom interviews and then you do a face-to-face, -face, and the face-to-face -face is way better. Mm. So much better. It's, it's so much deeper. It's, it's so, so much deeper. And the relationship that you build after that interview versus this one is so much better because when I do an interview with someone, I walk with them, we talk, we sit down, we set up, we conduct an interview, and then we hang out, we finish the beers, and then we go back to the venue. So, so that that is like an added beautiful thing that doesn't happen on Zoom. But yes, Zoom Zoom offers a beautiful um, platform to have a nice conversation with someone, and you feel comfortable with it. Yeah, I guess the point I'm, I'm making in a way is that it's a bit of a paradox at the moment, isn't it? And you've kind of made that point too when you said Gomorrah Burns is about what we're dealing with at the internet here. A bit of a yin and yang scenario too, okay, where for all of its negatives and drawbacks, there are some, there no doubt there are some positives. I can do some telehealth stuff or I can order a prescription online. Oh, and in this, converse, and this conversation, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You couldn't have, I mean, the quality, I posted a conversation. I had a chat with Frost from Satiricon a couple of years ago yeah. and uh, it sounds like he's talking through ice. 
uh, you know, appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but I posted it up on YouTube anyway because like, I know you're like, I can fix it or I won't. No, it's perfect. I'm leaving it. <laughs> <laughs> I think some comments were like, it's the interview equivalent of an early black metal recording. You know, they recorded it in a bathroom with a microphone over an AM radio. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think it just it just comes down to intent. Um, as well, yes. like what what the intent is of the person who's using, because this is a tool as well, and what they intend to use, and, and we see that with Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we're all really just bit players. And and I believe people need to understand that when you're not actually paying for a service like these social media platforms, YouTube, you can't pay for you. I know you can. They're they're, they're taking stuff from you. And you're you're the money. product. Yeah, you're the yeah, product. Hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So it's, it sounds like as though you well, we have to be of, smart enough to 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 buy into that to get it back <laughs> yeah people just seem to be so content with the status quo to your point not reading the terms and conditions because who does and then nobody just does who does my wife does that's what's funny she does and she gets mad at me when i don't <laughs> yeah yeah what, what do you think do you think tiktok's the most toxic or is that just i'm literally i'm 40 years old i don't know how old, old you are um i i with the podcast, I only have so much, the seven hours, right, per episode. I've, I've told myself I'm not doing TikTok until I absolutely have to, and I'm not doing it. So I don't know, but I, I know that TikTok stars are, I know what it is. I understand what it is. I know that it's important. Uh, I know that there are people that make a living doing it. I I am not well-versed enough to to. I've never actually looked at it, like, on the app of TikTok, so I can't talk about it. I don't think there's any question though. It's a it's an SP, it's espionage. Okay, mm-hmm. it records it records keystrokes from related devices. So all of our Apple devices are connected. For example, wow. if I was using, I don't use TikTok at all, right? But if I was using it on my phone, it would record the keystrokes that I'm doing here now in preparation really? for your interview. My yeah. gosh, God. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is insight into people's personal wealth, everything, data gathering. Because you click that, I accept. Why? Because I want to be famous on TikTok, or and or just watch people that are famous on TikTok. Hmm. Talk about this or otherwise, but have you done any uh, what we call journeying? You, I think you'll know what I mean if I say that. Journeying? No, I do not know what that means. What does that mean? Ayahuasca or um, I have not done that as of yet. I have done the the latter. Yes. Yeah. Did you get any? Have you done it recently? I'm talking about a post a year ago. Yes. Did you gain any insights from what we're talking about now when you were doing that? I was not. Um, focused on that at that exact moment it was more of a a laughing very fun experience yeah i go the opposite i get very serious and need to be by myself under the moonlight with those things still in part Ooh. of the still part of the shamanic circle but yes. just go just go and be the loner in the out you know the lone wolf on the on the rock sort of thing and then eventually okay. I no, no, I had, I had a very good laughy laughy night it was very fun Never had one, but what I would uh, encourage you to do if you if you can do that, sounds like, of course, you can do that stuff. You're mentally capable of doing it. Not everybody is, let's face it. Um, ayahuasca is just a whole nother level. And whilst I was journeying, I got shown some stuff because um, it is transdimensional, as you're probably aware. Yes. And it, I, I wanted to understand what metadata, these are the questions that I have in my mind. Like, I'm sound, we sound like we're similar this one. And uh, I got shown these huge banks of just blade storage cloud storage just enormous underground vaults of these sorts of things that were uh um 
and 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 I pose the question to you know to who, who you know the mother or what have you. It's just like at the moment, it's just data collection, okay. But at some point in time, they will know what to do with all of this data. So it's not even storing data with intent at this point. It's storing data for the purpose of finding intent. No, no, but I, I totally agree with that too, and I'm I'm not surprised about that whatsoever. There's the, for a company to just keep gathering and gathering and gathering information. It's not because they just want. Well, probably because they want to sell it to someone, but <laughs> but they're yeah. going to there's there's a higher higher goal with it for sure. Yeah. What did you think? A bit off topic potentially, but related. What are your thoughts on the recent disclosure from the uh, U.S. Senate whistleblower about alien life forms? Um, I have personally never seen anything. I think that I, I I'm I'm horrible with modern news, and that's that's something that I, my wife is my news source. <laughs> I, I, my Instagram and Facebook and everything seen feed is about craft beer and metal, which is very <laughs> on brand. Um, I would imagine that they're pretending that it doesn't exist. Am I correct there? No, the whistleblowers actually come out and said quite the opposite that they actually have oh, okay. the artifacts. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not surprised. We are, you know, we're one rock in a giant universe. I, I, I am extremely not surprised that there's, other life forms out there it's it'd be extremely selfish of us to to think that we're the only smart higher thinking life forms in the galaxy the, the universe i think it's 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 a very humanistic thing to think that we're the only ones uh it's about time that we start looking at and or thinking about um what a plan they probably have plans about what what we would do if they were alien contact and more closer contact and hopefully they're chill and you know we can have them on the podcast one day and that would be interesting mm. it's it's interesting to think that that radio waves for example never cease transmitting never cease broadcasting exactly yeah yeah so all the way through so they the definitely they definitely they definitely heard us that's the thing yeah yeah i know they've heard everything apparently <laughs> wonder what they think it's i think it's interesting they probably think we're dumb but <laughs> <laughs> They probably think we're dumb and very self self centered, but <laughs> I'm interested. I, I I'm I'm not the guy that goes out and looks up. I like looking at the stars and the moon, but I'm I'm not hunting for people and stuff. I'm I'm more focused on right here. Sadly, like most humans, probably. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, it's uh, well. I'm, to answer your question from before, I'm 45, and I've just gotten to a point now where um. Things either intensely interest me, or I tend to find things fairly boring. Uh, I don't know whether it's a good, uh -huh. good thing or a bad thing, to be honest with you. But, but it's just either it's it's got some substance to it, or I, I listen to some of these podcasts that are out there. Being a podcaster, no doubt you do too, just to compare notes and see what else is out there. Particularly music ones, and I go, I just I can't do it like that anymore. I've just gotten to a point now where we we either get to the, try to get to the bottom of things, and we don't have superficial conversations, which is okay to do that. I'm not even saying that's a bad thing, but it's um, there's so much truth to try to get to the bottom of, and I guess that's my point. <laughs> I think it's really cool, and I'm enjoying it so far. And I like the fact that after 800 episodes, you probably don't want to say, "How did your band start?" <laughs> yeah, you become. I, I approach these things 
as, uh, you know, we're all citizens of the free world or thereabouts, you know, particularly because I'm only really talking to people across the Western Hemisphere and there's so many things, whether you call it social issues or political issues or what have you, um, to discuss at the moment. And we're we're certainly, if we're not aware of everything, we're certainly aware of discourse and we're certainly aware of the sort of narratives that are out there. And I enjoy talking about those sort of things, but I've got to be honest with you, Matt, like a lot, a lot of people won't go with that sort of a conversation. They'll sort of snap back into the music. I get it. Um, if you've got a music as a product and if you want to look at it this way and they're trying to market it and they just want to talk about that because people want to look at it but I'd, I'd like to think and I believe my audience is a little bit different um, I'm certainly not you know one of the bigger ones or what have you but I've got a built-in audience a solid one these days that have been following for some time and because uh, I get the private messages and the like and I think people are it's sort of best. it's really the know. best it makes it's like the seven hours an episode those messages make it worth it no, I agree. And you realise that whether you're born in, particularly in the Western Hemisphere, whether you're from Canada, the United States, Britain or Australia, we're virtually the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Have you found that? I've toured all over the world and, and I'm metalheads tend to be the same. So we have what you just mentioned. We have like a more privileged, solidified lifestyle for sure. So So we have more of the same issues i would say compared to other places i've toured yeah gotcha have you toured southeast asia at all i have like like uh vietnam and stuff like that or yeah what do you think of the philippines if you've been there i have not played the philippines as of yet um i had a good friend growing up as a young child who told me that i would never be a singer um (laughs) he came from the philippines (laughs) he was a clean singer yeah they uh they or karaoke like you wouldn't believe over there. Oh, okay. My, my wife's mother's <laughs> Filipino, so we spend a lot of we spend yeah. quite a bit of time over there and yeah. around Filipino culture here and stuff. And yeah, I, I hate karaoke, so I'm horrible at it. But I sing in my band too. But it's a different dynamic. As you, you don't know, have a karaoke, you, get, you don't have one karaoke song. Uh yes, everybody wants to rule the world as one, and um, uh, the psychedelic first song, "Love My Way" as well. Hell yes. Karaoke. I, I used to have a karaoke bar behind my house. It's now like a little chic uh, wine bar. Um, but before that, before I had my kids, uh, we would go late on Friday nights and I would walk in and they would put Creep from Radiohead on and then everyone would buy my beer for the night and I would smash out Creep and then crawl back to bed at like one in the morning, three in the morning, depending on the night. I really enjoy, I've got to say, um, your clean vocals on Bemoan the Martyr and The Plague, songs like that. Oh, thank I, you. I, I like that a lot. I know you copped a lot of shit for that, but is there a, a chance that you'll do something do something like that in the future? Uh, not on Cryptops. You know, I am in a, building a new band right now with a good friend uh, from Montreal whose band just broke up, but I won't talk more about that. Um, um, I literally just listened to The Unspoken King. I was on vacation last week and I listened to it. I think it was a week ago today on thir- the Thursday that we were at the cottage, me and my wife. And there was moments that I was like, this is good. And then there was like, contemplate regicide. And that song is just, it's goddamn horrible. The whole clean vocal section is, is awful. Really? But uh, The Plague uh, was actually my tryout for the band. And uh, those vocals are cool. That was, I'm confident with those. Um, I can definitely feel like uh, Christian Donaldson's producing patterns all over my vocals, uh, like that era of Christian Donaldson's 
production over it, but um, definitely no clean vocals in any new cryptopsy. It's 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 been ixed. I tried on the new record for Lascivious Undivine. That whole hmm. we can call it a chorus. There, I had clean vocals for it, and Chris was like, "We tracked it," and Chris was like. Okay, now let's delete them and listen to what the backup sounds like. And he's like, "This is better." <laughs> That's that was that. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Was it? Um, what's the best way of framing it? Were you disappointed by people's response back then? Oh, very much so. I, I was. First off, I was not. It's not the rock star Mark Wahlberg movie situation where I was a huge fan. I wasn't. I was aware of the band. I knew of their legacy. I knew they were cool. Flo asked me to join the band. I said no. And then I, the leader of my band, Three Mile Scream, quit. So then I called Flo back. I remember hanging up with Mike and calling Flo back right away. And are you still looking for someone? He's like, yes. And I'm like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Do the play, get hired. Put it out, send it to Century Media. The week before the release, or two a month before the, the release, I log on to SMN News, um, as we used to do to get any forum type discourse about stuff. And it had leaked. Bamond the Martyr had leaked, and another song had leaked. And people was just like up like he is the, the this this is horrible garbage just and I remember I had to go to work right after that and I was just I was destroyed I was destroyed I was like this is going to be like my big break I'm going to make like make it whatever that means hmm. and uh, it took me a long time and I think like honestly in the past three years two years I'm finally having fun as the vocalist of Cryptopsy. For the rest of it, it was all just anxiety and and trying to make up for the 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 backlash that I hit with the, the Unspoken King. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, the, the biggest mistake that we made with the backlash was the Johnny It's Dinner Time intro that we used during Summer Slaughter, where we made fun of the fans that disliked us. That was that was a bad, bad move. And then hindsight's always 2020. But that was not a smart business move to to mock your fan base for disliking a new release because we were too proud to say that, to acknowledge that all of our fans were going to like us. I think it's a credit to you guys that you had the maturity to, to, to work past it from the perspective of what you just said then and also to not break up and not not and you not you know throw your hat in the air and go i'm done with this band I, I, a lot of people would have but i i didn't and i don't know why i think it's probably just ego and and wanting to to prove people because i wasn't a death metal vocalist and i it took me a long time to become one and i don't know what kept me there but we had tours booked so i just kept going <laughs> i came from a band where we jammed all the time before cryptopsy and cryptopsy i joined the band on my birthday in july of my 24th birthday so 16 years ago and i kept calling the guys every week i'm like when are we gonna jam and they're like oh yeah yeah we're gonna jam and then they were like oh we're going on tour in mexico in february and we had never jammed so so it, it was weird to just to to not be able to fall into the role that it's, it's almost and I, no shade to the guys there, but they, they didn't cater me into the role of becoming the vocalist of Cryptopsy. It was like, you have the job, like just be it. And then we went on tour and there's like footage of that that went out and people destroyed me 
And then we went into studio for The Unspoken King, and then the SMN forum thing happened. But why didn't I could, uh, not quit? I don't know. We just, we just, we kept having tours. John came back, and John coming back and being super supportive of me helped. Uh, we, we did, we had Mike DeSalvo come out and play with us, and he was like, you're awesome. I don't know. It was like just the right people telling me that I was doing well. Hmm. And then touring, touring. We toured a lot, and then finally, I became a better death metal vocalist. It was just trial and error and put into the fire. I mean, some things I'm, I'm made strong is, is really what it, what it comes down to. Where that comes from, I, I don't know, but I don't quit. I work on stuff. I, things are tough. You put the work in. I've been with my wife for over 20 years. Why? Because we put mm, the work in. Awesome. It's, it's, it's work, you know, like, like yeah, long relationships are work. And, and just because people want you to die in a bus fire, because of the unspoken king, which is what happened back then, it's not a reason to to yeah. quit. They're cowards, mate. Is the other thing, and almost. I mean, I've had a tiny, you know, a tiny fraction of a fraction of it just with the podcast or some of the views and statements that I put out there, and uh, I couldn't give a shit to be honest. With you. I'm too old to care these days, and I'm not an old man. I just oh, think- yeah, I feel like, and then like now, like like the band, I feel like they're so invested in the comments that are happening right now, and like that we we have a chat, right? Like every band has that. And uh, they send the screenshots and they're like, blah, blah. and I'm like, why are you reading the comments? Stop reading the comments. It means nothing. And then when I read the comments now, I'm just like, meh. Like, I don't know what's happened with me, but I'm, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm having fun. You've been Finally. exposed to it. Yeah, you've been inoculated yeah. in some respect. I'm having fun. This is what I want to do. This is my contribution to Cryptopsy's era as Gamora Burns. It's the most pure version of myself that i could give so so i'm i'm, I'm proud of it and, and people aren't gonna like it and people are gonna like it and that's okay oh it's an outstanding album i've listened to it a few times and your vocal is just absolutely ripping on this one Thank here. You. so Thank i think you. i think the fans of you know none so vile you know those old school crusty demon type of guys they're gonna find that's a lot of rules it's so good i love it too it's, I, I had the pleasure of touring it in 2017 from from a to z and it's it was a change i think it was probably a part of my metamorphosis just doing that and one of the key shows into me enjoying myself was performing that from a to z at maryland death fest one of the most elitist the people that go to maryland death fest are elitist metal heads that's the nice word. That was what I was going to say. <laughs> I know where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, and I performed. I mean, we we just it, we had a great show and a great experience. And I feel like from then on in, I've been having fun. I think that's it. And that's like the the the, the page turned. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But for this this album here, have you guys talked about what? When I say you hope it does, is do you think this is the album that'll potentially? Will it introduce a newer fan base to you, given that I know there's been the EPs out there? So what were they, 13, 14, were they, from memory? Uh, drawing on my uh, memory we released here, them in 2016 and 18, I want to say. There you go. Okay. So it's been, a, it's been a few years even since then. But do you feel like as though this is the album based on, because it is a strong album, I'm not pissing in your pocket and saying that, will okay, that find yeah. new ground and new territory for you guys, do you think? We're, we're, we're hoping for that. Where There's a whole like revitalization in death metal right now, which is super exciting. I feel like a lot of the OG bands, uh, Dying Fetus, Cannibal Corpse, Cryptopsy, we're all dropping albums this year. And that's probably just by chance. But there's also 
this pop that's happening with Undeath, Sanguasugabog, uh, Frozen Soul. That's just so goddamn exciting. 200 stab wounds. Yes. Where kids are like rediscovering this grimy death metal. And I'm hoping to create packages in the future to showcase cryptopsy to these people because i know that most of those bands that i mentioned are huge cryptopsy fans of course um this new material we with the grooviness of the old school vibe with with the catchiness with the the discomfort that we've added to it we're hoping that it satisfies the legacy of cryptopsy but also is something that's super interesting for for young death metal heads so so i'm hoping we're definitely hoping that uh, we have some tours coming up where we're headlining and i have a whole plan for the whole year that we're headlining and then next year i want to direct support some stuff where cryptos is getting exposed to other people's crowds mm. will you be coming to australia through that process uh we are going to asia in December and I poked the powers that be and anyone who lives in Australia knows who I'm talking about the powers that be that I love very much and uh, their brothers in a really good band um, to bring yeah. us down but it was too too close to Christmas so the internal flights were just horrible at that point in time so 2024 i'm going to poke uh, the powers that be again because i definitely definitely want to come down because i had such a great experience in 2018 when we came down i think it was 2018 um it was so much fun uh, we did new zealand and australia and the craft beer scene in uh, australia is just exploding right now i just yeah I, it's coming out like any day now or next week or it just came out and i missed it black flag brewing just dropped a beer for the podcast so i, I definitely definitely want to come down there it's like on my top list of after europe and north america joe and dave if you're listening you know what to do <laughs> <laughs> hopefully i'm catching up with uh yes <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hopefully, I know Dave doesn't do many interviews these days, but I'm hopeful. I spoke to Dicey, actually, and I should be able to get him sometime in the near future, but I've spoken to Joe. I should definitely get him. He's so goddamn nice. Joe is one of the most underrated extreme metal guitarists out there. And he's, he's such a nice guy, too. You wouldn't pick it, would the, you, if you spoke to him over the, the phone? <laughs> the best. They're, they're, they're really like, like, he's just, dude. People that go see Psychoptic, if you look at the crowd there, it's like all the fans, and then everyone else there is just in a band. <laughs> <laughs> you go to see Psychoptic with other musicians because they're that damn good. Yeah, yeah. It must be something that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the whole, yeah. They've been doing it for a long time too. There's something about coming out of a town like Hobart, which isn't a big city. Oh, it's a big city, I suppose, in a way, but still it's an isolated place. Great music always seems to come from like really, I'm talking upper echelon stuff, seems Most to always come from robust. isolated places. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. It's, 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 there's nothing else to do, right? <laughs> something, something like that. Yeah, I talked to. I was speaking to uh, Michael from um, in not in Flames. Well, he was in In Flames actually, but Dark Tranquility. Um, oh, he's the best man. He's the beer he, god. I just I drank a beer with him back in in May. Yeah, that's really interesting because to me he looks really fit. And I, I know I don't him, know how he drinks and does it like I do. My, he, he's he's got it. He runs. He told me actually. He, when he has a hangover, he runs. He told me. Okay, that makes sense then, because right at the end of the chat, we had a chat much like this one here, and I was talking about the Swedish scene, and I just said, look, the Gothenburg scene is as influential for me as what the, for my take on things, as the Floridian scene. So, you know, you've got Probably. to think death call, death Montreal. Call, Montreal. Montreal, well, there's a lot of great bands <laughs> come out of Montreal, Cryptopsy. Um, 
but uh, and uh, what's his, uh, buddy Voivod, of course, they're in Montreal, aren't they? Wasn't there, aren't they? Yep, they're Montreal. Well, they're they're Montreal adjacent, but closest to Montreal. You'll climb them. You got to climb them, right? You know, I'm climbing them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was just so I, I, I mentioned how do you balance? I think I said actually I didn't frame it that way. I said. How have you avoid the pitfalls of alcohol? And he's sort of going, oh, oh, oh. That's like, shit, have I tripped over a, a subject that's sensitive here? He said, no, because it's just, and then I reframed it and said the balance. And he goes, yeah, so it makes sense here. He did he did mention that he was a, a big beer drinker, a bit like the uh, Paradise Lost guys as well. But He loves like, it. He, he brews his own beer. He has homebrew in his house. But because uh, in Sweden, it's very regulate, regulated uh, by the government still, alcohol. And they have to go buy any beer that's over four percent uh at a special store if not any beer that you get like close to your house it's like three percent because they're afraid okay. that they're going to drink themselves silly yeah well how it came up we were talking you know jesper obviously um yeah and i've spoken to jesper only recently too and he's looking good but we know and he's a he's a freely acknowledged the challenges with me on the on the on the chat that we had um that he's dealing with and i wanted to know if they were coming because the halo effects coming to australia will jesper join them and uh, Michael said, "No, he won't be because it's just too far." He definitely won't tour. He doesn't want to tour. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a shame though. I mean, he's pretty much the OG of that style of guitar play. He and Bill Steer from Carcass, so really the two guys yeah. that sort of popularised it. And it's just um, you know, there's a lot of love out there for guys like him. You know, hoping that he pulls through and um, and that. And even know, if he doesn't, like, not that he doesn't, not that he doesn't pull through, but like, if he's comfortable with the role of just composing and playing shows close to his house, then then that's that's also okay. I think that music fans, we have to accept that sometimes you won't get the full package mm. that you expect. And some people just don't want to tour. Some people don't like it. Some people don't feel comfortable being gone for too long, whether for a multitude of reasons, whether it's for family uh, addiction reasons, it could be mental health reasons, you know, you never know, but creating music is cathartic. So, so I think fans should just accept that the fact that they're getting new music from these people that they love is enough. And if a replacement is there, still go to the show and support the band because the band is helping this person get well. I'm hearing you brother. I'd love to keep talking and I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm working at the moment still. <laughs> Same time, I went from home. <laughs> I've got to appreciate it off, but it's uh, yeah, it's been lovely talking. Thank you for having this chat, by the way, and being able to go there. I, I it's just lovely to be able to do it. And I was, I was hoping we'd be able to do something with like this. So thanks again. I appreciate it, Andrew. It was a true pleasure. I hope that you have a great, great day at work, and I hope that there's not too much emails that piled up while we had this chat. <laughs> it's all good, brother. Always good, mate. So hopefully, see you down here soon. Oh yes, hey, ladies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, brother. Have a great one. <laughs> Thank you. Well, there you have it. A very interesting. God, that's a horrible adjective to use, isn't it? Interesting. But it was insightful. Let's settle with that. It was an insightful conversation with Matt Magaki from Cryptopsy. Wish it could have gone on for longer, but as I said, the phone started ringing. I've got to get back to work. Thanks to everybody who tuned in on Rumble and the off-platform apps. Much appreciated. All you people on YouTube as well. Yeah, thank you too. I mean it. It's uh, more that these days I'm far more concerned about... The, I want to be very clear here. I want to be able to have the conversations I'd like to have with people without any censorship whatsoever. And unfortunately, I have a feeling that 
the way that I'd like, the, the direction I'd like to take the podcast is not really going to be in alignment with the big tech platform platforms and what sort of speech they allow. And fuck them. They're not lawmakers. They're just a service. At the end of the day, they're a service big enough to be called a utility, let's face it. But there are others out there and the future of the show is definitely on these lesser visited but free meaning free speech platforms. Okay, now, if you like that chat, there are many more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. And if you like listening, well, maybe you like reading and you're in luck because I've written a book. Click the link in the banner on the website and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice. Download a sample, you do the rest. I've had a lot of people buy the book already and it is very heartening to see people do that. If you're in a situation where financially you can't buy it or what have you or you just don't want to, no worries, just hit me up and I'll send you an e-copy. Even a PDF version, whatever the version is you need, I just won't be able to send you a print copy because that costs an absolute fortune. I control none of that side of it. It's all on print on demand. Anywho, so we're going to hear a little bit more about the book in the moment, but before we get to that, I'll bid you a fond farewell. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. Thanks very much for tuning into this episode. I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until, and until next time, it's a very goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms it, yes. Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, 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 just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was 
very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.